Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 3rd, 2023, including... Rumors suggest a Bethesda Game Studio Classic could be getting a remake, but probably not the game you're expecting. A Final Fantasy game is finally coming to Xbox. Hasbro speaks to Activision's backwards compatibility obligations for Xbox. And more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2006, 17 years ago, Bomberman Act Zero was released for the Xbox 360 as a console exclusive, only this was the Japanese release for the game because the North American release was a few weeks later. Yes, it is a very, uh, it's that time of year, nothing really came out, No, well nothing really ever comes out in the summer, it's, just, it's a slow time for game releases and in Xbox history there's nothing that's really historically come out on August 3rd, apparently. So, Bomberman Act Zero, you might remember this as kind of like the, uh, I don't know what the fuck this was. Konami Konami owns the Bomberman license, so it's their published game, but it was developed by Hudson Soft, and this is a weird, mature-looking, R-rated, gritty Bomberman game. It's just regular Bomberman in terms of its gameplay, but it had an online mode. It was an Xbox 360 title, and it was like, I, it, it was weird. It was almost like someone over... And Konami was like, oh man, let's show some support for this Xbox console that the Americans that the Americans like. It's like, okay, well, what are we gonna do? It's like, oh, we own we own Bomberman. That's a pretty easy IP to just make a quick, you know, quick little entry in the series. We don't have to put too much effort into it. Well, how do we make this appeal for the Xbox? A, a console that's very Western centric, particularly American. Uh, you know, they like their action games and uh, they like explosions and guns. And how, how do we make Bomberman appeal to that market? And they're like, well, we'll strip it of all of its uh, Japanese cartoony fun and we'll just make it gritty and realistic and M rated and just sad. It's not actually M rated, but it has like a gritty M rated kind of look. And uh, I never played the game, but apparently it's horrible. It, it's it's got terrible reviews, and uh, yeah. So, in 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 this on this day in Xbox history, the Japanese version of Bomberman Act Zero was released exclusively for Xbox 360. I feel like this is just Konami misreading the Western market, trying to figure out how they can shoehorn one of their existing games lazily into some stereotype of a mold of what they thought maybe Westerners would be into. They're like they like their. Uh, Although it's 2006, it's a little premature for the COD, 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 Gears of War phase, but like, I don't know, they're seeing things like Halo and Call of Duty find success on this platform, and they're like, these Americans, they just want to watch guys with guns run around and shoot Middle Eastern people or something, I don't know. So, anyway, Bomberman Act Zero, no one should have to remember you, but here we are, paying tribute to your existence, just for the fact that nothing else really ever came out. On August 3rd, so let's move uh, right on along here. Guys, welcome to episode 218 of the Xbox On Podcast. Let's start this week with notable game releases, actually in keeping with uh, what we just did. 
it's just a slow time of year. Ga- games never come out this time of year. It's just this is a week where historically shit just doesn't happen. So while we do have some smaller games hitting Game Pass and coming to Xbox Marketplace and such, um, nothing really I feel like compelled to talk about. But I will say next week we do have a couple notable titles, including Stray, the game that cat indie game and Aperna game that came out last year on PlayStation. It's finally coming to Xbox next week on August 10th, and I think that's coming to Game Pass. As well as this isn't Game Pass, but I'm very look very much looking forward to this game. Atlas Fallen, which is my I, I have this list as my first most anticipated fall release, although this is definitely summer. Uh, but you know, it's like end of summer kind of thing but atlas Fallen comes out next week cannot wait to check that game out developed by deck 13 published by uh focus entertainment this game looks so so good check out the trailers for that we'll talk about more next week but check out the trailers for this game if you haven't already it looks very very cool so some good game releases coming out next week but yeah this week just like how bomberman act zero had to carry us through the games releasing in in xbox history uh there's really nothing coming out this week so looks like next year on august 3rd we might be in a similar boat where nothing worth a damn came out so but that's not how the show is because we got tons of really good stuff to talk about this week you guys final fantasy on xbox what we got remake news murmurings of uh elder scrolls oblivion what so keep your socks on keep your pants on in fact, just don't even un- un- unlock your chastity belt because we got a whole lot to get through today, and you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna hold on tight for this one, guys. Starting with our Activision updates, I'm proud to say we got nothing to talk about there. Thank God, because we have real video game news to talk about, not just a bunch of suits in a courtroom yabbering about. So, with that said, we can jump right on into our opening news segment, our mildly amusing stories, updates from last week, things to expound upon. And with that, I'm eager to jump into, uh, let's talk about some Boulder's Gate 3. So, Boulder's Gate 3, the ongoing saga of how this game should be coming to Xbox, but isn't coming to Xbox, and is it the Series S's fault? Well, here we got a little update on its future, its fate for Xbox, where VGC is reporting the upcoming RPG, Boulder's Gate 3, may not release on Xbox until sometime next year in 2024, it's been suggested. Writing on Twitter, developer Larian's director of publishing, Michael Douse, seemed to imply that the issues related to launching the game on Microsoft's platform may not be resolved for another year, saying, quote, We have quite a few engineers working very hard to do what other RPGs of this scale have achieved. Seamless drop-in, drop-out co-op on Series S, Douse wrote. He also says, We hope to have an update by the end of the year, but back in June, speaking with IGN, founder and creative director Sven Vinkney think he was asked about the game in which is coming to pc in august and ps5 in september uh, but he said he still does not have a date for the game on xbox according to vinky vink vinky i don't know how to say that the issue lies with microsoft's policy that requires games to have the same gameplay features on series s and x while the s games often have lower resolutions frame rates or lower level of detail this is a consider this is considered acceptable by Microsoft given that it's less powerful than the Series X. However, what isn't considered acceptable is when a game is missing features or modes straight up that make the game not have content parity. So so that's of course what we're still up against here. So they don't think they're gonna have this game resolved running on Series S until next year, which is not a good look. I've seen the rumors that Bowler's Gate will be coming to Game Pass. Although it actually looks like, sorry, actually, I'm, I'm looking that up now because I just realized 
yeah, it's it's a lot of mixed reporting on this. Nothing's been confirmed yet, but it looks like rumors suggest Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 might be actually coming to uh, Game Pass pretty soon, although it's not it's not confirmed yet. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I see how Xbox thinks this is kind of like a good win for them. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll get Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 on Game Pass so that Xbox fans aren't missing out on Baldur's Gate as PC and PS5 players look forward to a new entry in the series. But to me, this actually kind of further rubs salt in the wound because it's just bringing more glaring attention to the fact that it's like, yeah, Xbox, the most powerful place to play video games. We have the old version of the new games coming out that everyone's looking forward to playing. I just feel like this is kind of a bad look, but... Nonetheless, I don't know. Like, I I feel like this is one of those things where, like, maybe because these kinds of developers work closely with their publishing partners and with their with these with these console hardware manufacturers like PlayStation, Xbox, and you would think that for a while Xbox has known they've been running into that Larian's been running into issues getting this game up and running on the Series X, and it's just kind of hard to imagine that at some point no one at Xbox thought to be like, hey, we need to throw a couple of like engineers or specialists over to Larian to help them get that game up and running on series S and rather they just kind of let it let them do their thing. And now we're facing yet another Xbox game where it's just this bad story of like, things aren't looking good for the series S or Xbox just might not get this game all together or Xbox will get it late. And it's just not a good look, whether it's Sony buying exclusivity, whether it's series S holding back the console or the platform altogether or whatever the case may be it's just not a good look when there are new games coming out xbox desperately needs new games to support the console and xbox does not get said new games so this is another big l in my opinion however shout out to larian for continuing to work hard to make this happen i hope they are able to achieve this and that the game ultimately does find its way to xbox i think it will i'm sure it will and uh also shout out to co-op for being a useless feature that very few people actually give a shit about that is somehow holding us back in the year 2023. So also Series S, apparently you're underpowered. But every time I've played my Series S, I've always been impressed with how powerful this machine is considering its limitations. But I guess it can't do everything. It can only do a lot of things. So there's your update on Boulder's Gate. Let's uh let's move on and talk about uh, people who sometimes play Xbox and get suspended and or banned from playing Xbox. Uh, no, I'm not talking about people who say the N-word on Xbox Live. I'm talking about people using ROMs and emulators. So from VGC, Xbox has reportedly stated issues or started started issuing temporary suspensions to players who use emulators in retail mode on their consoles. Previously, users were able to download emulator applications directly from Microsoft Store, which will allow them to play retro game ROMs on any retail Xbox Series console that they buy. However, Microsoft then later disabled the loophole that would allow these applications to run in retail mode of the system, though users could still run the applications in developer mode. Earlier in the month, a group claimed online to have found another way to get around this this loophole and get emulators running in retail mode. However, as it would appear, this didn't last long because Microsoft's now cracking down on this retail mode emulation and all who use it. As reported by YouTuber Hikikomori Media, who regularly reports on emulation and consoles, Microsoft has stated that... has started to hand out 15-day suspensions to players running emulators on their Series X, S, or Xbox One console in retail mode. 
Uh, Hikiko Mori Media cites that Discord servers called Xbox Emulation Hub, which is dedicated to running emulators on Xbox consoles, where is where a lot of this news is coming out of and where a lot of these stories are circulating. VGC joined in the Discord server to corroborate with claims on, on the fact that people were getting uh, suspended on Xbox and found that Announcement posts last week from staff member Golden Sky, who specializes in creating retail access to Retro Arc emulator, was informing users that the retail mode on Xbox is officially dead, quote unquote, retail mode is dead, and that the Discord server's retail mode channel will be deleted within a week, saying, quote, effective immediately, we're halting any and all retail mode emulation permanently, Golden Sky writes the channel will be deleted within the week and the announcement will be moved to the uh, server announcement channel for preservation purposes significant amount of users have been receiving 15-day suspensions for warnings from xbox and they are including photos for proof of it we are strongly recommending that you remove any and all emulator apps from your console in retail mode immediately we apologize to anyone getting the suspension we know it sucks xbox boss phil spencer has expressed his support for emulation in the past and as long as it's done through legal and authorized routes in 2021 he told axios that he advocates for software emulation as a solution to game preservation saying quote my hope and i think i have to present it this way as of now is that as an industry we'd work on legal emulation that allows modern hardware to run any within reason older ex executable allowing someone to play any game adding i think in the end if we say hey anybody should be able to play any game buy any game or own any game and continue to play it that seems like a great north star for us as an industry so okay vgc adds that part about phil spencer um, but it is important to really distinguish the difference between First of all, what emulation is, what having an emulator is, and what running a ROM on an emulator is, as well as the difference between supporting emulation and what it means for it to be like good emulation versus bad emulation, legal versus illegal, um, because that makes all the difference in the argument here. And not to say that VGC is leaving that out conveniently, but just to say that we need to you know, ex 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 expand on that a little bit to kind of make the point here, but... Listen, it's cool that Xbox is a is a console that's kind of open-ended in a lot of ways. People have been able to do a lot of creative things with it, but obviously emulation is wrong in the sense in the in the case that you're modifying a console or you're using a user-made application to illegally acquire and play media that is otherwise purchasable and accessible because what you're basically just doing is taking money away from the hard creatives that worked to create that video game or whatever the case may be but a lot of what emulation is is just like hey here's a bunch of old games that are impossible to purchase and access these days how would you like to get your hands on them but the gray area becomes even though xbox you know someone at xbox might be like hey, it's cool that they have an emulator running on an Xbox Series X that lets you play, I don't fucking know, uh, fucking the old Ninja Gaiden for Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm not talking about the old Xbox Ninja Gaiden. I'm talking about the old NES Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, you can play that on your Xbox Series S, S or X through emulation. Cool. That's a game you can't just go out to fucking Best Buy and pick up a copy of, right? It's a game you can't go online and just give Koei Tecmo money for or some shit like that. You can't just give money out and be like, I'd like to buy a copy of the original NES version of Ninja Guy. No, because they don't make the game anymore. So a lot of people would be like, well, that's not much of a problem then because you're only emulating because there's no legal means to acquire it through, you know, 
monetary support. However, these situations still obviously put Xbox in a, in a position because for you to be emulating through their platform, you're putting them in a legal loop, a legal situation where they could be held accountable for allowing and facilitating this kind of environment through their platform by just being a bystander, letting this kind of thing happen without stepping in and doing something. So that's obviously why Xbox has to step in and nip this in the bud and not just let it continue on as is. Although I'm sure many, many people at Xbox are probably on a personal level. Okay. With the idea of someone being like, I I can't get a game like, Turok for the N64, although I think they recently brought that to Nintendo Switch, so that's a terrible example. But yeah, I'm going to go fucking emulate that. Sh- I'm going to go emulate Restar for the Sega Genesis on a, on an Xbox on an Xbox One because I can't just go to the store and buy that game anymore. Yeah, but the, the, the difference is you're putting Microsoft in a legal binding when it's their ecosystem, it's their marketplace, it's their platform where you are engaging this kind of behavior, and that's why they have to nip it in the bud. There's nothing wrong with having an emulator, having a program that is capable of running this kind of software. It's when you download files of video games through illegal means and experience them on these platforms that it becomes like a whole thing where it's like, oh, shit, do we have the legal rights to let people download and play this game on this platform? And in most cases, the answer is no. So that is the issue. That is why this is wrong or illegal. Personally, you know, there is always going to be that legal argument as to whether or not this is an okay thing to do or not an okay thing to do. I personally always err on the side of it it really depends on the game because if we're talking about like, well, I don't know if we're talking about a game that like it's just impossible, like you just can't get your hands on it. Like sticking with the N64, I'm thinking about like back in the day. Speaking of also Koei Tecmo, I, I remember win back for the N64 way back in the 90s or no, that was I think 2001 actually. That's the game I used to play a shit ton of back on the N64. It was like a cover-based arcade shooter. And that game is impossible to access now. I cannot go download that on my Switch or download that on my Xbox or download it on Steam and just give it a go. The game is no longer available. You have to go get an N64 cartridge, buy an N64, plug it up, make sure it can connect to your TV, set the whole thing up and play it the old way. It's not realistic. It's not attainable. That game is no longer in circulation. There's no legal means to buy it. So people might go through means of emulation to experience it on a moralistic like level I'm kind of in support of people doing that because it's like it's better that the product or the art or the creation gets to live on and be experienced and be accessed throughout time in memoriam than for it to just be lost to time because some asshole who has the publishing rights doesn't see the value in republishing the product and making it available to consumers of the modern era like I, I i get that and i'm i'm a supporter of that but the problem the other problem is aside from it just being like xbox can't facilitate this kind of environment on their platform for legal purposes the other problem is once you open the floodgates to get gamers the ability to access games that aren't in circulation, that aren't possible to buy anymore, like win back for N64, you also open the floodgates for people to illegally emulate games that are in circulation, that are accessible, like people who go and illegally download all the old Mega Man and Pokemon games and shit like that. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can go on any Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, and buy some kind of Mega Man collection that has all the old games. You can go on any recent Nintendo platform and go to an eShop and download any old Pokemon game you want for the most part. And in, in, in the point being that people will then abuse the system and just buy any game or use emulators and use ROMs to access any game, whether they should or shouldn't uh, or, or whether they can or can't 
buy the game through legal means and legal channels and reasonable channels on modern hardware. And that's where you get into this extra super gray area of people just abusing the hell out of the system. And I, I get it. It can be difficult. You don't have this platform, but you do have this platform, but you want to experience this game. But at the end of the day, I think it's a little slimy if, if 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 you're trying to emulate a game or if you're trying to download a game that's relatively new and available on modern platforms or is an older game that has been re-released a billion times like Mario Bros. Like if you're if you're illegally downloading Super Mario Bros, it's that's kind of like a fuck you because it's like you can buy Super Mario Bros on everything Nintendo's ever released. I'm pretty sure Nintendo has released rolls of toilet paper that can run Super Mario brothers at this point the original super mario bros so it's just one of those things where it's like it it depends on a game-by-game basis but also you understand why xbox cannot allow any of it to happen in their ecosystem so while obviously phil spencer's talking about how he supports emulation what he's talking about is i support emulation in the sense of like i think publishers and rights holders who have access to these ip and these old games should look for ways to create emulations of these old games and re-release them on digital storefronts or through remaster collections or whatever the case may be um, so that modern gamers and modern platforms have access to these old games for preservation purposes so it's more like saying i support the idea of a of a capcom releasing a Mega Man collection so that modern xbox players can still play old capcom games old capcom Mega Man games on their current hardware he's not necessarily saying i think users should take it upon themselves to find roms of the old capcom Mega Man games and download them illegally on their xbox and make them run on hardware they're not certified for and illegally download these games without you know the consent of of the publisher and the rights holder so obviously they're different things phil spencer isn't saying illegally download this video game uh but he is saying that hey we should work to preserve and and bring forward these old games and emulation is a great way for rights holders and publishers to bring the that old content forward into the future listen at the end of the day i don't give a shit about the publishers i don't give a shit about the rights holders the reason i care is because i think if someone owns something they you know they should be the ones to control whether or not you know how it's accessed or whether or not it's accessible it's kind of wrong if, if if you own something for someone to just defecate all over your own property whether it's an ip a license a storefront whatever the case is like you should be able to have the rights and the legal means to protect and preserve the thing you own so I respect that inherently because it's a, you know, you got, it applies to one and all, but also because a lot of times artists as well, like I, like, especially if it's a game where financially supporting it could somehow support the developer. For example, you think about like more modern remakes, right? Like Master Chief Collection. If you buy Master Chief Collection, you're supporting 343. These are old Halo games. And yeah, when you buy Halo 1, you're not necessarily supporting like fucking the old Bungie crew that made the game, but you are supporting by buying Master Chief Collection 343, the guys doing the port, the guys who are shepherding the IP, the guys who are making modern Halo games. And so it's important to put your money where your mouth is and to support these games in their re-release form so that you're showing support, you're you're voting with your dollar to the to the rights holders and the publishing holders that like, hey, I, I love this franchise, I love this game, I want to support it, I want to see more of it, I, I want to bring this forward. We need more games like this to come back and be accessible for modern players. You know, I mean, that's I mean, what else is Master Chief Collection? Now, while that's not emulation, that is those are those are ports of 
of of game of older Xbox games. The concept is still the same, where it's you know you want you want to support a game like Halo Two and buy the Master Chief Collection in order to relive and re-experience Halo Two. You don't want to illegally download it because that doesn't send a message to Xbox that like, hey, we want more Halo. That sends the message that like, hey, you're a piece of shit and you're gonna illegally download something you don't have the right to download and access so i don't know i've always been a little bit of a goody two-shoes even back in like the limewire uh pirate bay days and such I, I i was never the kind of guy to like even illegally download music or anything i was always like that's that's wrong better to not listen to the music at all than to access it through illegal means it's just not fair it's not right it's like stealing bubble gum from the grocery store and you should be slapped on the hand for doing so so i guess i'm a little bit of a goody two-shoes but i want to talk about that a little bit just because I didn't even really know there was much of an emulation rampancy going on in the Xbox community. And uh, just, I don't know, use this little, little tiny old platform of 37 people I have, you know, to take a stand on piracy and and, and, uh, and, and uh, emulation and things like that and kind of say something. So, bored you to death. And well, if you're still awake, let's move on. Let's talk about Quidditch. Let's talk about something more exciting than piracy or emulation or ROMs. Let's talk about... Wizard sports. I'm talking about not football, not baseball. I'm talking about sports that these fucking racist alien wizard freaks from the J.K. Rowling universe. I don't know why I call them or that or describe them that way. I'm just looking for ways to insult Harry Potter characters because they all have weird fucking scars on their foreheads and we should point and laugh at them. But anyway... Footage of a Harry Potter Quidditch game has appeared online. The footage, which VGC has verified as legitimate, uh, is believed to be from testing that's currently taking place on PC. VGC won't link to the footage, uh, but they can confirm uh, that this is from closed testing that uh, is under NDA. The footage was briefly uploaded on YouTube earlier in the week and then taken down by WB. The main clip circulating appears to confirm that players can either play as a created character or choose a number of Harry Potter characters from the all-star lineup, including Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Draco Malfoy, and Cho Chang. That's not a weird name at all. Quidditch was most notably missing from 2023's Harry Potter RPG Hogwarts Legacy. The game features... Uh, the, the game, the, like the fictional game of Quidditch, features uh, wizards flying around on broomsticks and uh, and throwing a flying ball into the sky, kind of like football. But you play it uh, five hundred, a thousand, what is it, twenty five hundred feet in the air? I don't fucking know how high up you fly your fucking broomstick to play Quidditch. Uh, Quidditch Champions is is the working title or the rumored title of the game, and it is built as a complete standalone Quidditch experience that engages players in the sport of Quidditch and other broomsticks stick adventures alongside friends in a competitive multiplayer setting quidditch champions is also being developed by seven sorry has been in development for several years at la-based unbroken studios which is also currently contributing to the console version of suicide squad kill the justice league the studio which employs about 100 staff previously developed this and self-published mobile multiplayer shooter fantastic plastic squad and pc battle royale game fractured lands of course who could forget those notable mobile games that we've all played a dozen times or so before uh, a release date for Harry Potter Quidditch of champions or Quidditch champions has yet to be announced, but God, I'm just hoping even though this is WB published and not EA, I really hope when you boot up the game, it says EA sports. It's in the game uh, just because I think there was a Harry Potter game that did that once. Nope. That's not true at all, but EA did use to publish the old Harry Potter games. And so that's why I'm thinking of that anyway. 
Yeah, I don't have much to say about this. We knew this game was coming. We knew this game was real. These reports and rumors have been spreaded since around the early days of Hogwarts Legacy when it first came out earlier in the year. So we knew this game was coming. I assume we'll see this game in full force next year. It'll be their way of being of saying like, hey, remember last year how Hogwarts Legacy dominated sales charts for a year? Let's uh, get you reinvigorated about Harry Potter. We got a fucking Harry Potter sports game. You can beat your wife just like they do in football in this game. You can fucking score a bunch of touchdowns and then sleep with all the girls of the Hogwarts school, which is kind of gross because they're British and they have bad teeth. Uh, You can fucking, what else do you do in sports? You can pour a, a fucking gallon of Gatorade all over your stupid wizard friends, but since you're doing it 3,000 feet in the air, once all that Gatorade hits the ground, the stupid unsuspecting people down below will think, oh my God, it's raining Gatorade. But then they'll look up and just say, oh no, it's wizards on broomsticks. That's normal here. This is Hogwarts. And then, yeah, it's a Harry Potter Quidditch game. It's coming out. My guess is we'll see it next year, probably shooting for like a summer or fall 2024 release. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if this was a free-to-play game or like a or like a discounted game that has live service elements to it because, I mean, it's a giant multiplayer-only game. Yeah, I'm curious to see. That, that's really the only thing about this game I'm curious to see is how they try to market and position it because if it's just a multiplayer only sports title are they going to try to go for like a madden or fifa thing are we going to get like harry potter quidditch 2024 and then get an annualized version of this every fucking year for the rest of our lives or is this going to be like a free-to-play thing or are they going to somehow try to tie it in some kind of expansion format where you can launch it separately from the hogwarts legacy menu even though it's technically a separate game like i'm very curious to see how they end up rolling this game out but other than that i don't have any excitement or interest in a harry potter sports game that's just two things i dislike vehemently but speaking of speaking of things that are still stupid but i actually do like because i too am stupid uh let's talk about call of duty modern warfare 3 no not the 2011 game but rather the 2023 game because Call of Duty has run out of names and is just reusing names at this point. We all knew that. VGC relays that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 will be revealed in-game in Warzone later this month, most likely. As revealed as part of a blog post detailing the fifth season of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2, Activision confirmed that the game will once again use in-game event de- uh, in-game event, sorry, to um, detail upcoming content for the series. They say, "quote Drop into Call of Duty Warzone to experience a worldwide revealed for Call of Duty 2023 in a limited time event. Join the ranks of Shadow Company to take on Coney forces and secure the chemical weapons threat there before it's too late. Stay tuned to Call of Duty channels for more details on the upcoming reveal. I played all these campaigns and I have no idea what that means. The game's logo protagonist, Captain Price." who some fans are suggesting looks like villain Vladimir uh, Makarov, appeared on the promotional cans for Monster Energy over the weekend. A leak was later acknowledged by Activision, so they are basically saying, yeah, there's going to be a Monster Energy promotional tie-in. So the big takeaway, the big news here being that, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to have a Mountain Dew Call of Duty tie-in this year. It's going to be a Monster Energy Call of Duty tie-in, which is just such a devastating blow because Call of Duty and Mountain Dew go together like peanut butter and jelly. Call of Duty and Monster Energy, no thanks. I don't need Gorana. I'm I'm I live above the influence. Thank you very much. But I think it's cool that they've been doing Call of Duty reveals this way for a while. Although it does seem a little does seem a little curious because the first time they did a game reveal was for Black Ops Cold War. So Warzone comes out in 2020, a few months after Modern Warfare 2019 came out, and then later around August. 
they reveal Black Ops Cold War in Warzone for the fall of 2020. And then in 2021, they do the same thing with Vanguard, where a Warzone in-game event during Black Ops Cold War season reveals Call of Duty Vanguard for the 2021 holiday season. But then for 2022, they got Modern Warfare 2 to announce. And I guess Activision, it was the combination of Modern Warfare 2 being such a high-profile hype game and Call of Duty Vanguard being such an underperformer for Call of Duty that they revealed Modern Warfare 2 way earlier in like May or June of last year didn't do a Warzone in-game event and they were just like, forget about Vanguard, let's talk about Modern Warfare 2 for the next five months. And that's how they did that game. But now, Modern Warfare 2's season is coming to an end and this August we're going right back to the in-game Warzone event where Modern Warfare 3, this year's Call of Duty, is going to be revealed in Warzone. So I think that's kind of odd. I guess that's more of a commentary on the failure, the, the perceived quote-unquote failure of Call of Duty Vanguard in 2021. But... Interesting that they keep using this model every year except for last year. I actually think this is cool. I think, you know, Call of Duty is such a game that sells a, a specifically to its dedicated market, its dedicated user base, that you might as well just announce your next game to your most core audience in-game because it's such fan service. It's such a cool way to get your base hyped about your next entry. Um, whereas it's like, yeah, sure, you could announce Modern Warfare 3 or the next Call of Duty with like by just dropping a YouTube trailer and be like, boom, here's a press release, here's all the websites are covering it. It's like, and that would be fine for most games, but like, I don't know, you might as well just hype up Call of Duty players because at the end of the day, anyway, it's gonna be like 30 million Call of Duty hype fans are gonna jump on this shit, and then the rest of the world is gonna laugh at it because we're all gonna pretend we're tired of Call of Duty and that sucks, even though it's kind of. It's still kind of good. So I don't know. I, I I actually like this way of announcing games. I think I wish I actually kind of wish more of this stuff would happen. I think it'd be cool if Halo had in-game events like this. I know, you know, Activision probably got this from Bungie from back when they, you know, they they, they still do this sometimes in Destiny. And that's probably where they got it from. But I, I, I actually love this kind of stuff. It's it's like who better to directly market your next Call of Duty game to than the most hardcore Call of Duty games fans who are too busy playing Call of Duty to be scrolling around on Twitter looking for the next game trailer, you know? So, I, I don't know. I think this is cool stuff. I think it's a way to keep the hype level high, and uh, I'm looking forward to Modern Warfare 3. I don't think it will be as good as Modern Warfare 2 because Sledgehammer is just not as good as 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 Infinity Ward or Treyarch, but I do think it has potential to be pretty good, and I am looking forward to seeing at least how they're going to pull this off because even though many of you might be going, Call of Duty, it's the same shit every year. What could be different? This is a little bit different this year because they have a developer making this game on their off year because normally Sledgehammer would go next year, not this year. And they're making a direct sequel to the most recent Call of Duty game rather than doing that two to three year off cycle. And uh, they're making it in close collaboration with Infinity Ward. So it's almost in a way like Infinity Ward putting two games out back to back. But they're not. It's like they put out one and a half games and the other half of this game is being developed by a different Call of Duty studio. So I just I find it very curious the way they're doing it this year. And I am uh, I'm very interested to see how this turns out. So there's Call of Duty. And let's wrap up with one more mildly amusing story. We'll get into EA's financial reporting later in the news. But we do need to touch on a little bit here because there's some news that came out of it that it pertains to Star Wars Jedi Survivor coming out again. That's right. The game that came out earlier this year, I believe back in April, will be coming out again next year, but for 
older consoles, Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Although no release date has been suggested, the company revealed during their Q1 2024 earnings call, quote, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is a pure blockbuster entertainment rooted in the timeless cultural defining IP, uh, CEO Andrew Wilson said during the call. Our team at Respawn proudly launched the game to critical acclaim and commercial success, despite the fact that it was fucking broken on most platforms. But sweeping that aside, millions of players have already engaged with the game, making this one of the biggest events in Star Wars. Uh, galaxy this year in the Star Wars Galaxy this year uh, he says thanks to the strength of this legendary franchise and community demand our development team has committed to bringing Star Wars Jedi Survivor to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 over the year we will harness the community's passion and capitalize on key Star Wars franchise moments to drive continued engagement for this incredible game there's a lot that could be said about this, but I'll try to keep it brief. So first of all, they got to see significant engagement on last-gen consoles if they want to bring this game backwards. Because generally, that by this point in a console's time frame, the Xbox Series X and PS5, usually by that like three-year mark, that's kind of when you hit that point where you start to have more users on your current hardware than you had on your previous hardware. And in fact, this is actually kind of timely because PlayStation just announced this, I think a week or two ago, talking about PlayStation sales, where they said for the first time, they are now reporting more active users on PlayStation 5 hardware than they are on PlayStation 4 hardware. And that's impressive because PlayStation 4 sold well over 100 million units. So the fact that they have more people playing on PS5s actively than on PS4s tells you a couple things. People have moved on. The most active player base has moved on to the new console. Two, PlayStation 5 is selling incredibly well. And three, we're pretty deep into the console generation that we're kind of at that bye-bye last-gen phase where we really just focus on the current generation instead of that like cross-generational game release thing that you usually get at the beginning of a new game hardware, console generation, whatever. Um, Xbox, while they haven't spoken specifically to this, you can assume kind of similar because... Xbox One didn't do that well for Xbox last generation. I mean, it did well by console sales standards, but it didn't do nearly as well as Xbox wanted to. And Xbox Series consoles have started out at kind of a better pace. So you would assume that Xbox Series S and X are actually actually reached that point probably a lot a lot longer ago where more people are playing on Xbox Series S and X than are playing on Xbox One. Now, does that mean... Xbox Series consoles have outsold Xbox One year like lifetime sales. Absolutely not. Not not that fast at least. But does it mean that more people are currently playing on your new hardware than your old hardware? Yes, because the only people still using an Xbox One are people who don't give a shit about the latest hardware or our little children who can't afford the new console, or something like that. I mean, the, the active player base moves on relatively quickly in a couple of years, so... The fact that this game, Star Wars Jedi Fall, or Survivor, I, don't, I can't want to say Fallen Order. The fact that EA determined that this game should only be made for current hardware because that's where the money is. And then is now retroactively saying, you know what, let's do it again on the old hardware too. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of indicative of something. Even though this game sold really well and we know that. Are they saying, but it could sell better or but we're seeing demand? Like, are they really seeing that kind of demand? from people who, like, really want to play this game but don't have a PS5 or Xbox Series console and don't plan on upgrading, but if they could get this game on old hardware, they would then jump on it and buy it. 
And I mean, I guess you could say you could make a case for something like this on a franchise like Star Wars, something that is so massively popular that like, sure, there's probably a bunch of people who just have a PS4 or Xbox One lying around somewhere who don't necessarily care that much about video games. But Star Wars is kind of an exception because they're big Star Wars fans. So I guess you can see a world where that makes sense for a franchise like Star Wars. But the fact that they are going to retroactively go back and support dying consoles, consoles where the player base is shrinking month over month whereas the modern consoles are doing just the opposite they're growing month over month is just kind of confounding it's like what do they just not have a whole lot in the pipeline or they think it's going to be a really long time till the next star wars game or do they just regret not putting this on the older hardware and also this just these are the kinds of moves that kind of undermine next gen in, in a way it's like you know we're, i think we're all used to especially if you're like my age or older are really used to like the old Xbox era, or even before that, where it's like, you know, if you get a game on, like, Xbox OG and Xbox 360, there's, like, a 90-day difference between it. If you get a game that's on, you know, Xbox 360 and Nintendo Wii, generally, these are different games, you know? It's, like, because the the, the gap, the, the, the tech gap between these consoles is so night and day, it's so stark, but it seems like... That's not the case anymore where you could just like dumb down the resolution, the frame rate a little bit and get a modern next gen game easily running on old hardware. It's just it's just different. It shows how how far we've come with console fidelity and with game fidelity and with tech and with what the requirements are for something to be next gen and boundary pushing and that we're kind of at that point where it's like games have matured. It's like the 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 ecosystem has kind of matured in terms of what a what a piece of hardware needs to offer in order to run a modern game um, where it's like a lot of the difference these days is just loading speeds and textures and resolutions and a lot less what it was back in the day where it's like this this, this processor just straight up doesn't have the power this graphics card strip doesn't have the power to run this game in any shape or form any any version you know you couldn't just run Nintendo GameCube games on an N64 back in the day it just wasn't gonna happen you can't just run an xbox 360 game on an og xbox for the most part it wasn't going to happen with very rare examples so i don't know by doing this especially after the fact it just like extra highlights and underlines this this like this like on like quiet part out loud of saying like yeah star wars jedi survivor this awesome next gen star wars game is uh, very safe in last gen in terms of its tech and performance because we can just easily at any point in time throw this game on old hardware and why not? So I think it's kind of a way to devalue and water down your brand and your game a little bit, but they must have the data to show that the, the demand is there, that the player base is there, and that there's there's money to be made in doing this. So this is a really un... Uh, like, I don't know. This is just a really, like, kind of out of left field move. We've never really seen anything like this. And so I'm curious to see if we see more stuff like this happen. And if so, can the next thing be Sony puts or has Insomniac put Spider-Man 2 on PS4? Because I don't want to buy a PS5 and I really want to play Spider-Man 2. So that would be nice. But um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for all of our opening segments. Uh, let's real quick go into the games I've been playing this week. And then we can talk about the main news. But before I tell you about what I've been playing, I got to tell you real quick about... What I've been eating, guys, let's talk about the Trader Joe's Frozen Winter Wonderland. You guys, my girlfriend and I went to Trader Joe's this past weekend, and it's a place we don't go very often just because it's pretty far away. For those who don't know, Trader Joe's is just like, so there's Aldi. Aldi's like where we shop most of the time. Aldi is like the, it's this German-owned grocery store chain that's always kind of been here, but it's been growing more and more in recent years. 
And their whole shtick is it's like kind of a small grocery store. Like 99% of what they sell is like their own in-house brand. They don't really carry name brands, mostly their brand. And all the groceries are significantly cheaper than they are if you go shop at like a Walmart or a Target or a Kroger or a Publix or a Ralph's or whatever the fuck grocery store you have near you. And and what is it? Food Lion or uh, Ingles or I'm trying to name all the ones so I don't leave anything out. Uh, Winn-Dixie. I don't fucking know. But the, the idea is that Aldi is so much cheaper than all the other brands. And so we live, like, right down the road from an Aldi. So we shop at Aldi as much as possible. We try to avoid Publix and Walmart for the most part and get, like, at least 90% or so of our groceries at Aldi. Well, Aldi also owns a second brand of grocery stores. Similar size, similar idea where it's just, like, all in, like, their brand. There's not You can't buy, like, really name brand products at the store. It's all, like, in-house brand. Uh, but this store called Trader Joe's is the exact opposite of Aldi in terms of like what its target is, where Aldi shoots for being like, oh, yeah, we're like the budget poor people grocery store. Trader Joe's tries to be like, we're like the, the hip, like wealthy, liberal, like kind of yuppie grocery store where it's like we're a little health conscious even though we're not necessarily we just kind of had that image you know if you shop here you probably listen to the Beatles and kind of supported uh ending the Vietnam War and went to Woodstock in the 60s but then you got a really cushy job and now you're kind of a corporate capitalist whatever but you shop at Trader Joe's because why not they got fucking chalk on the walls and it looks kind of hippie and it's really just a fucking store for yuppies and wealthy people and trader joe's are few and far between they're generally located only in like affluent areas and so we are not affluent we do not live in the affluent part of town so we have to drive a good i don't know 30 40 minutes depending on traffic out of our way to get to trader joe's so it's always a little bit of a special occasion when we get to trader joe's and so this past weekend we actually had the opportunity to do that and so it was kind of a nice day it was like it was like pretending to be someone we're not that day we went to don't even fucking ask me why we did this we went to a lexus dealership and test drove a lexus even though we are used honda people who can never afford a lexus and then we went to trader joe's and shot there it was like for a little minute for, for a hot minute there i was just like yeah i probably have a flat Amex card in my wallet and I don't know I started some kind of tech app thing that does some bullshit in San Francisco and I make a lot of money and like I, I felt like one of those people for like a brief second I'm at the Lexus dealership for some goddamn reason I'm at the Trader Joe's in actuality I drive a, a, a $9,000 Honda with 150,000 miles on it and I shop at Aldi but anyway for the moment Okay, I'm a rich person for like the two hours of this day, okay? So I'm at the Trader Joe's, and the reason I brought all this up in the first place is because Trader Joe's, among it being known as kind of like a rich people grocery store and also a more like health-conscious grocery store, the thing like I think they're most famous for is like their really excellent selection of frozen food that's just like weirdly good considering it's frozen food, like I am personally not a fan of frozen food. I grew up eating a lot more frozen food than I care to admit. And I think it's disgusting. Like, you show me, like, Stouffer's or any of these kinds of brands. I think that stuff is, like, grade A garbage. And you guys know I love shitty food. Like, I'll sit here all day long and I'll talk about the wonders of shitty theme park pizza or, like, why I love Taco Bell gladly, proudly. But I do not like frozen food. In my older age, as an adult who is in charge of my own diet and what I put in my refrigerator and in my pantry, I go out of my way to not purchase frozen food because I do not enjoy it. That being said, 
Trader Joe's frozen food is not frozen food. It is just good food that happens to be very cold and in a plastic bag. And so I went a little nuts because when, you know, like they say, when in Joe's, do as the Joe's do, get some fucking frozen me uh dinner so i went really hard on a lot of these pastas we got like this mushroom ravioli with a truffle sauce we got like a fucking uh pink sauce per set pasta with basil and all this like random ass shit bunch of pork dumplings because they strangely have really good asian food which is unheard of we got like all this random ass shit we even had some like chicken fried rice and all this and so this week it's my week to cook the meals and do the groceries but i lazied out a bit and i'm glad i did because i got a lot of other shit happening this week distracting me but i kind of lazied out this week a little bit and because we went to trader joe's i'm leaning on their frozen food a little bit this week i'm just like yeah dinner tonight is like a frozen mushroom ravioli with truffle sauce that all I got to do is throw in the skillet for five minutes and bada bing, it's done. So normally that's not me. Normally I like to make full proper dinners from scratch if I can, try to be a little more healthy, try to use real ingredients. But like I said, you don't get to go to Trader Joe's all the time. Making the most of it this week. And I just got to say, shout out to the Trader Joe's. So far we've gone through some of the dumplings, the fried rice, the pink uh, sauce pasta with the, uh, with the um, basil and everything. And Everything's been really good. We got arugula citrus salad, which sounded kind of boring, but was actually insanely good. And so I just got to say, Trader Joe's, if you want to stoop down to my level, feel free to buy or to buy to build a Trader Joe's location out here in the middle of nowhere where I live out here by the attractions and the theme parks in the middle of nowhere where I live, where everyone out here is just a. Uh, fighting on overcrowded roads and trying to get to their day job because I'm sorry we don't we don't own Lexus Lexuses Lexi we don't we don't get to shop at the Trader Joe's regularly so humor us stoop down to our level build the location over on my side of town I love your frozen foods good shit shout out to Trader Joe's they rock. That's what I've been eating, I think. And let's talk about the games we've been playing. So another weird one here. I, I finally put down Persona 5. So I'm about five hours plus into Persona 5. And I had to put the game down because I can't get over the hump. I can't get over the fact that even though I like this game and it opens very strong and it grabbed me from the beginning, I can't get over the fact that this game takes over 100 hours to beat and I refuse to do that. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to like find a good stopping point. I'm going to like play enough of the story to where I feel like I have a good feel of what this game can be and who these characters are and where the story is headed. And then I'm just going to pull the plug on it. So we're, we're getting to the bottom of what's going on with this pervy PE coach. He's a fucking freak. He wears a fur coat and you go into this fantasy dream world to fight him. And it's a whole thing. And we did that. And now I put the game on ice. I deleted it from my Xbox intentionally. So I stopped thinking about it. And I said, persona, I'm glad I have some experience with you. You're a good video game series. I'm not fucking buying this $100 bullshit or 100 hour bullshit. So I put that away and I said, let's play something that's less overwhelming while we wait for Starfield. And so I booted up a game I've had downloaded for over a year that I've been trying to play. God, I've been trying to get to this game since it came out in 2016. It's been a long time. It's been, what is that, like seven years or some shit this game's been out. But I booted up Homefront The Revolution. Now, Homefront is a game that was, well, it's a series that was originally created by Chaos Studios, who are now defunct. And those were a bunch of guys who used to work on, like, mods for Battlefield and shit. And they made the original Homefront, published by THQ, back on the Xbox 360. And that was kind of like a Call of Duty-style first-person shooter. It was very influenced by games like Medal of Honor and Call of Duty. And it was very, it was very much, like, in that vein. And um, was this really cool 
like alternate history shooter where it's like, well, what if North Korea invaded the U.S. and was winning and the U.S. was like trying to like there's like a, a small resurgence group or resistance group trying to fight for their freedom and fight for their homeland again. And that's kind of the crux of Homefront. It's a really cool game with a really cool concept. First game was really good. I played it last year for the first time, really enjoyed it. I had to play it on PC because it's not backwards compatible on the Xbox. And in 2016, we got a sequel to that game, Homefront the Revolution. Now, Homefront the Revolution is entirely different in every way possible. By the time the game was made, Chaos Studios, the original creator, of the team of the game went under they they were defunct and thq had also gone under and were defunct the publisher so the publisher and the developer didn't exist anymore and so this was one of those games one of those ip that got grabbed by deep silver and then you know eventually um embracer group and all that shit when all the thq ip and brands were gobbled up around i don't know when was that like like seven or eight years ago when that started happening and so they gobbled up the far the the Far Cry the Homefront IP and gave the game to Dambuster Studios, who then developed it in Deep Silver. So Deep Silver and sorry, I guess it was published by Deep Silver, which then is now an Embracer-owned team, and it was developed by Dambuster using the Crytek engine. So it went from being a very U.S. game to being a very European game. But Dan Buster, these are the guys that make that chorus game and they and they were working on Dead Island 2 and then got pulled off the project. This is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of history. This is actually their first game they ever made. They, they're not a very well-known team based out of the UK, I believe. And yeah, they were kind of thrown on this project and they're like, make a sequel to Homefront. You know, this game that you didn't create under this new publisher and the new owner of the IP. And what they ended up making was actually much less of like a Medal of Honor slash Call of Duty first person shooter and much more of like a Far Cry 3 type shooter. And so that's what Homefront the Revolution is. It's like a, it's a sequel to Homefront, but it's suddenly like, let's not be Call of Duty and let's be like Far Cry. So it's a much smaller open world, but it is an open world where you take over territories and, and outposts and you do missions and you run around an open world and you can hop on a motorcycle and ride around and you can like heal yourself and uh, buy weapons and upgrade and modify your shit. And it's very, very, very reminiscent of Far Cry, but... It's a sequel to Homefront. And this game was lambasted when it came out because it was completely fucking broken. It was janky. I remember this game was getting three and four out of tens left and right. It was doing terrible. It sold poorly. It reviewed horribly. Everyone was like, do not play Homefront the Revolution, which was a huge disappointment because the first Homefront, despite not being a massive, huge gangbuster success, was actually kind of successful and it was really well received critically so Homefront the Revolution being the disappointment it was was quite a quite a letdown to, to people however you know people move on obviously the game's a dud who cares but a lot of people stuck with it and over time they released a lot of DLC they kept patching and updating the game and people swear the few people that stuck around with the game swear that the game actually got good after a couple of years of updates and things like that. And I would never say, you know, forgive them for their sins and move on because they fixed the game. Of course, that's what you should do. But, you know, for someone like me who didn't play the game when it came out, wasn't going to play the game back when it came out, and it's now coming to it all these years later. To me, it's not a problem because I'm just going to get to play the fixed version of the game that's like the final product, whatever. So going back and playing this game, it's very much a mid-generation Xbox One style, Far Cry 3, Far Cry 4 knockoff type game. But 
it's a lot of fun. Um, I will say they didn't completely fix the game. It does have a lot of frame rate stutters, a lot of jitteriness, just a lot of jank and jagginess. It's a lot of that like weird European shit you see a lot in these like European first person shooter type games. I swear you usually see it with like these Eastern European games like like Atomic Heart earlier this year, stuff like that, where it's just, it's a little janky, it like looks really good, but it just feels a little bit off. This game kind of has some of that going for it, where it's it's good, it's not enough to break the experience or make the game unplayable, and you can tell whatever was originally wrong with this game, they fixed most of it, because the game is completely playable front to back. But it does feel just a teensy bit off, and it's a little bit jank. It's like, if you want to play a game like Far Cry, which is usually a pretty highly polished finished product, Homefront is like playing a B or D tier version of that game, but kind of in a good way. I don't know. You guys know me. I always kind of have a weird affinity for these kind of like double A or lower style games where I just, there's a lot to appreciate and admire about these kinds of games and how they're made and how they're kind of stitched together. And I don't know, man, I think this game is pretty damn cool. The opening cutscenes, really cool. The game immediately is interesting and fun. And guess what? Uh, Persona 5, Homefront the Revolution, it's estimated that it takes you about 12 hours to beat the campaign, so fucking suck it. I have 12 hours to enjoy a nice video game campaign. I don't have 102 hours, so Homefront of the Revolution, I'll be sticking with you, thank you very much. Um, I'm liking the game so far. It's nothing groundbreaking. Um, it is very much just like, oh yeah, the, the Koreans invaded the US, and now we gotta fight back, and then it's like, okay, you find this ragtag team of revolutionists, and they, they recruit you, and they're like, alright, new stuff, how about you prove yourself to us, and the early missions are like, okay, so it looks like you might have what it takes, blah blah blah, and then obviously the game will unfold into that generic story of like, you go from a nobody to like, everyone counting on you and you'll help lead the revolution whatever nothing really compelling in its storytelling but the world is cool i think this alternate history where north korea invades the u.s is incredibly cool and compelling and interesting and the world they build around it is nice it's cool to play in this like alternate history decrepit philadelphia although now that i think about it, that's kind of what philadelphia already is but anyway this korean occupied philadelphia uh in the year 2025 it's cool it's interesting um, the gameplay is fun, and I really love this kind of Far Cry loop of taking out these outposts. The gunplay is fun, doing these missions, big explosions, getting these different guns. You can customize and modify your guns. So you can get like an AR, an AR-15, and then like just take off the top and add a rocket launcher onto it. Now it's a rocket launcher, or you can take a pistol like an M1911 or whatever, and, uh, and and turn it into an SMG, like a little Uzi or something like that. It's it's cool to kind of just like modify and manipulate the weapons in the in the sandbox like that. So it's a pretty fun weapon sandbox. Lots of cool explosives and different uh, melee weapons and things like that. So I'm really digging Homefront: The Revolution. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination. I would say if you're a diehard Far Cry game fan, you love games like Far Cry and you're just itching for something kind of like Far Cry, I think Homefront The Revolution is a great a great little budget game you can play because, I mean, I think I bought the game for $4 on sale. You can get the game for dirt cheap and give yourself a little weekend taste of Far Cry, but I wouldn't say, like, if you've never played this game, stop everything you're doing. This game is revolutionary. It's, it's, it's not, despite the name, it's not a revolution. It's just a, a middle-of-the-road kind of double-A Far Cry clone, and I don't think it needs to be anything more than that. I think it's really, really good at what it's trying to be, and it's a lot of fun. So my my hope, my plan is to just sit with this all weekend. I don't have to work this weekend. I don't have to do anything this weekend. Hopefully I can just sit at home, 
I don't have to watch any Barbie or Oppenheimer movies. I don't got to do anything. I just I just want to sit at home and play Homefront, The Revolution, and finish the whole thing. Hopefully, that's how this weekend will go. But yeah, that's it for what I've been playing, guys. So with that said, let's uh, take a quick breather and move on to the main news, and I'll see you in just a second. All right, let's get into the news. You guys started out with Oblivion, Elder Scrolls 4, remake rumors. Let's get into it. VGC says... It's been claimed that the studio co-developing the upcoming Metal Gear Solid 3 remake is also working on a remake of the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. A Reddit user, said to be a former employer of Virtuous, made the claim in a now-deleted post on game leaking, sorry, on the Gaming Leak and Rumors subreddit as reported by Xfire. The user was reportedly verified by the subreddit's mods as being a legitimate former Virtuous employer, employee. If the verification process was accurate, it could lend more credibility to their claim. According to the user, Virtuous is working on five separate projects, of which a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 is only one of them. The user claims that the studio is working on a project Alter, which they say is either a remake or remaster of Oblivion, which will use the pairing pairing system that will a pairing system that will run the game in both Unreal Engine 5 and the Oblivion engine made by Bethesda. Quote, for instance, new graphics are rendered using Unreal Engine 5 project, but most of the gameplay physics, etc. are still done in the Oblivion engine, the source claims. They also say that the project will be released at the end of 2024 or even early 2025, depending on mostly on if the it's a remake or a remaster, and that the game is mostly being made in Virtuous's Paris studio. Other projects Vir- Virtuous is working on, according to the user, are Project Massive, which is described as a Monster Hunter cross Shadow of the Colossus type game, an expansion for an Amazon MMO game New World, and a narrative climbing game codenamed Ominous. VGC reported back in October of 2021 that Virtuous was working on a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3, which was revealed later in May of this year to be completely true when Konami officially announced Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta Snake Eater and confirmed later that Virtuous was co-developing the game. So, this is kind of a big one. First of all, I mean, there's a lot of angles we can attack this from. Let's talk about, I guess, Virtuous first, since that's how the story is mostly angled. Where Virtuous is, there's not a whole lot of faith in this developer when Conversation of Metal Gear Solid 3 Remake or Delta comes up. And so this is one of those things where I think a lot of people immediately get a little weary when they see this name. If, you, if you're going to do a remaster or a remake, more specifically, of a game like Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, it, it requires a lot of like care and attention and a kind of ground-up, nurturing approach to it. Now, this is this is a team that's mostly no, known for support work. They do, they done support work and everything from Call of Duty to New World to even my beloved Crossfire X, rest in peace, to Callisto Protocol, Horizon, um, many, many, many games. And now they're working on remakes. They're doing this remake of Metal Gear Solid 3, and they're potentially doing this remake of Elder Scrolls. So there's a little bit of this element of them being an unproven talent, an unknown quantity kind of in the industry when it comes to spearheading their own projects and, you know, doing support work on games. I think they've done support work even on Halo Infinite. But doing support work on games is very, very different from heading up your own remaster or uh, remake of a game, which is obviously very different than in turn from creating your own original game from the ground up from scratch. So these are three very different steps, very different types of projects. And this is a team that's really mostly only proven themselves by way of support work and not really of remakes and remasters. So 
for them to be trusted with titles as classic and influential and important as Metal Gear Solid 3 and possibly Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. Like, these are crazy games to just hand off to this team that has never really proven themselves to be able to do this kind of work. I just think it's that, much like Metal Gear Solid, Elder Scrolls 4 is the kind of game where there's so much artistic respect and merit behind a game like this. It's such an influential game. It's such a well-beloved and respected game that... You just kind of hope that a, a publisher like Bethesda, a developer like Bethesda Game Studios would, Bethesda Softworks would, um, or Beth sorry, Bethesda Game Studios would would really focus in on trying to find the perfect partner to work on something like this. So, like, if we found out, like, oh, they got Obsidian working on a Fallout remake or something like that, we'd all be like... Yeah, that makes that makes good sense because Obsidian are a great developer who are proven and they're they're the perfect guys for a Fallout game. They've made Fallout games. That's one where like we'd all just kind of be hyped and not really be worried about. But to have someone like you know, even if it was like CD Projekt Red or something weird like that doing a an, an Elder Scrolls remake or a remaster, it's like we'd all be like, oh yeah, that's that's cool, even though it's kind of a weird pairing, you know, because it's like they they work in similar genres. They're a team that's proven themselves to be able to do these Western style fantasy RPGs very very well. But Virtuous have not proven themselves to be this kind of developer that is equipped to do something like this. Xbox 360 classic Oblivion. And for those, like, I mean, it should be said, like, Oblivion is a really important game to Bethesda and to Xbox because even though, yes, Morrowind was their first show of real support back on the original Xbox, and of course, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim is the game that propelled and skyrocketed the Elder Scrolls franchise into the 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 multi-million dollar massive franchise that everyone knows and loves to this day. Oblivion is a very, very important one, and it's no doubt one that kind of helped launch the success in the beginning and the early days and that, that start for the Xbox 360 console, which is no doubt the most important Xbox console ever. And Oblivion very much is the game that preceded Skyrim. Like, you can so much, obviously, it's all in the same franchise, and a lot of these games share DNA, but so much of what's in Oblivion then translates and carries on into Elder Scrolls Skyrim that this is a very important game historically, and you don't want to just give a game like that to just anyone and hope that they do right by it. And this sounds a little technical and complicated and tricky, dare I say, to try and balance this Unreal Engine slash Oblivion proprietary engine together. Because obviously Bethesda games are so famous, or should I say infamous, for that proprietary engine tech that makes Fallout games and Elder Scrolls games open and vast and weird and quirky and buggy and glitchy in all the best ways that they're known to be. And so you have this port team and support work team working in that engine to remake or remaster this game while porting over the art assets into a new engine, a non-proprietary engine like Unreal Engine 5, to upgrade those and make the game look pretty. And then you're going to take all that pretty upgraded art assets in this Unreal Engine and put it on top of this slightly reworked Oblivion proprietary engine and hope that you get this game that still feels kind of like the classic game we all know and love, but looks like something fresh and new and exciting. And I feel like while that makes sense on paper, it sounds quite complicated. And I don't know that Virtuous are up to the task. Now, that's not to say they can't do it. It's just to say 
who really knows what these guys are made of? They haven't proven themselves. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like, if you got a new cook in the kitchen, maybe you want to start them off on salads and soups, not entrees, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, if you're a steakhouse and you got a new guy on the on the on the line, you got a new cook on the on the food line, maybe start him off with with soup and salad and let the the real chef take care of the steaks and the in the entrees and the chickens and the pork chops and things like that is what i'm saying and as they prove themselves to be proficient in those lower tier or easier or seemingly less important kind of to say you know, not less important but you know less i don't know less important maybe is, is the thing to say actually but as they kind of prove themselves with those projects you slowly work them up you don't hire some Joe Schmo off the streets who's got a couple of years experience working at Burger King and say, you are the head chef of our five-star eatery. You say, all right, let's see what you can do on the fry station. Let's see if you can make a good salad. And then you prove yourself there. You got the work ethic. You got the the, the chops. You got the consistency. You can, you can do it well. We'll move you up a level. We'll move you up a level after that. Then we'll move you up a level after that. And eventually, you can work your way to the top. But... I feel like Virtuos is a team that hasn't proven themselves. They've got the restaurant experience flipping burgers at McDonald's, but they haven't earned the opportunity to man the the, the, the grill at the steakhouse. But they're being given the spatula regardless and being told, you're in charge here. And that's just a little concerning because, I don't know, I'd like to see Virtuous make a remake like, I don't fucking know, Destroy All Humans or something like that. We got like, what is it, Black Forest or whatever, that developer that's been remaking those games. Work on something like that. You can do a remaster of like some kind of Embracer Group type game first. Just cut your teeth on something like that. And we'll work your way up to Oblivion. We'll work your way up to Metal Gear Solid 3. And so I guess that is kind of my apprehension. But the idea of remaking Oblivion is cool because Skyrim's been remastered and re-released a million times before. But Oblivion's a really important game. Like, like even anecdotally, because I didn't play a whole lot of Oblivion. I barely played Oblivion. In fact, I've probably played collectively five hours of Oblivion my entire life. But Oblivion is an important game because I, I distinctly remember my dad bringing home the Xbox 360 in 2006 to my brother. And my brother got the Xbox 360 and in the first he was allowed to get one game. And the one game he chose was Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. And I remember between just downloading demos off the Xbox Marketplace and having Oblivion. It was like, oh my god. I just remember the Xbox 360 completely blowing my fucking mind it's still I, I no console has impressed me and blown me away the way the xbox 360 has since that day in 2006 when i first got to see this thing running in action and seeing this massive open world running in hd on this beautiful slick new hardware with this proprietary out-of-the-box wireless controller on this console that's always connected online just like blew my fucking mind and I know a lot of people must have had that experience playing things like Call of Duty 2 or Elder Scrolls Oblivion back on the original Xbox 360 and uh, I don't know I just feel like this game's really really important to that history of Xbox especially now that Bethesda is part of the Xbox family and to just trust this game with anyone I'm a little nervous about it, but I hope they do it well, and I hope they prove us all wrong, because this game is really special, and I, I, I actually, and, and I say really special not because I love it so much and I think it's so special, although I'm sure I would if I spent more time with it. I say this more in a way of, like, I always wondered when Skyrim came out and, like, took the world by storm, I'm like, 
as kind of a layman, as someone with very minimal experience in this series, I never understood what made Skyrim so exceptional that Oblivion wasn't as good. Because I remember the couple hours I'd spent with Oblivion and then countless hours watching my brothers play Oblivion just all the fucking time during the early Xbox 360 days. And then the later Xbox 360 days when Skyrim came out, watching the entire universe melt over this game, just freak the fuck out over this game. You couldn't go into, like, work or school without even, like, just some Joe Schmo who doesn't even play video games being like, yeah, Skyrim's pretty cool. Like, it just took the world by storm. It was awesome in that way. But I just remember always being like, I see Skyrim. I'm very familiar with Oblivion. What is so special about Skyrim that Oblivion didn't, you know, win the hearts and minds of people all over the world back when that came out? And I still don't quite understand that because I feel like Oblivion is a game that deserves just as much praise and attention and respect as a game like Skyrim seemingly at least and I almost wonder if maybe you do a really 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 proper well done from the ground up remake of a of, of Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion if you maybe give this game the opportunity to be a massive success and a massive hit and of course you don't want Bethesda Game Studios to be the one to do it necessarily because they're finished from Starfield and then they got Elder Scrolls 6 to work on and then the next Fallout and those three games alone are going to take them the next 28 years to do and so you don't necessarily want them working on this Oblivion remake but you would want someone with that level of skin in the game and that level of care and attention to be tasked with doing this remake or this remaster and not just some support work studio that may or may not do well. And that's, I guess, my all I really had to say about this. But I, I do want to see a game like Oblivion come back and be remastered or remade. I just I just hope it's done. If it's going to be done, I just hope it's done very, very well. And that's really all I have to say about this. But otherwise, it sounds exciting, man. It sounds really exciting. You know, a year after, a year after uh, Starfield, this should be quite a good way to appease the appetite to, to yeah satiate the appetites of of skyrim fans as they eagerly await elder scroll 6 over the course of the next 400 years as that gets made because you got starfield that game will have a long tail of support and then you'll have a oblivion remaster or remake a year or so later to, to go and coincide with that so you'll get a lot of that kind of support coming out of the bethesda stable to keep you satiated, to keep you fed for quite a while as we eagerly await whatever Bethesda works on next. So, I, I don't know. Hopefully, this all goes well. Hopefully, we hear about this soon. My guess is if this is happening, this is something we would learn about next year at the next summer Xbox Game Showcase event. Not during the Game Awards this December, but rather next summer. And then it would come out in the fall time. It would be a short announcement to release time frame because this isn't something you really need to hype up for years. It's a it's a remaster, you know, so we'll see. I mean, we don't know if it's a remaster or a remake, but it sounds like it's a remaster more than anything. But we'll see. We know that the Metal Gear Solid remake is more of a remaster than as a remake where really they're just sprucing up the graphics and the controls a little bit. But they're not rebuilding the same game from the ground up. They're sprucing up the thing that already exists is, is how I understand it. So I'll be really curious to see this all play out. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Next up, the other big news story to talk about this week. Guys, Final Fantasy is finally coming to Xbox. This is really huge news. Well, unfortunately, it's not Final Fantasy VII Remake. And it's not the newly released Final Fantasy 16. 
but Final Fantasy is coming to Xbox. So Xbox boss Phil Spencer made a surprise appearance on the Final Fantasy 14 Fan Festival uh, last it was a week ago in Las Vegas to announce that the game is officially coming to current Xbox hardware. The MMO will officially be launching in the spring of 2024, but an open beta will be launching alongside the game's upcoming 6.5 patch, which is due in the coming months. So Xbox players will get to play it soon. According to the Xbox to Xbox, the Series X version of the game will support 4K graphics, while the Series X and S versions will benefit from fast loading times. The, the expanded free trial, which is available on PC and PlayStation consoles, will also be applied to Xbox as well. This means that players will be able to play through the entirety of the base game called A Realm Reborn, as well as the first two expansions, he- Heaven Sword and Stormblood, up to level 70 with no restrictions on playtime. Once a player reaches level 70, they'll have to pay a monthly fee in order to continue playing the game. I think it's a $15 a month game. It's very much like WoW in terms of its costs and everything. While the game is mainly an online multiplayer adventure game, Square Enix has been implementing a system called Duty Support, which lets players take on content with party of with a party of NPC allies instead of real players. According to Xbox, by the time the game's open beta launches, Duty Support system will cover the main story dungeons of A Realm Reborn and the four current expansions meaning players will be able to play through the main story content solo the news marks the end of the lengthy efforts by xbox boss phil spencer to bring final fantasy 14 to xbox consoles in 2019 spencer publicly commented saying bringing that game to xbox during a media presentation at the xo 2019 event in london then last year he stated that he still hadn't given up on just that so finally so finally this game comes to xbox i am so excited about all the implication that comes with this because first of all we just want to see final fantasy on xbox in general so some final fantasy is better than no final fantasy second of all this is a game that seems like it would it seemed like it would never come to xbox you know i mean it's been out when did this game come out was it 2013 14 when did this game come out i Final, Final Fantasy 14 is not a new game. Yeah, 2013 for PlayStation 3 and Windows. Holy shit. And then it came to PlayStation 4 a year later. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, this game, we people have been waiting for this game for so, so long. And the the narrative lead and the people and uh, behind this game are actually the, the same team that are that just made the recently released uh, Final Fantasy 16 that just came out on PS5. So there's apparently a lot of love for this game's story content, but it is an MMORPG, so very different from other Final Fantasy games. I think only other Final Fantasy game that's an MMO like this, I believe, is what? Final Fantasy, what is it, 12? Is that 12 or 11 or one of those? Is an MMORPG. Uh, but yes, 14 is also an MMORPG, whereas usually these games are just regular classic JRPGs. But this game kind of came out back in like 2013, 2014. It was seen like, okay, whatever. It's 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 good. It's fine. It's okay. And then over years, they added more. They added expansions. They reworked the game. They kept adding to it and making the game better and building upon. They kept building upon the game and people, people just fell in love with this game. Apparently, it's a really, really phenomenal MMORPG. So to be clear, I mean... We already have like Final uh, Fantasy Star Online. What is it? Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star Universe Online 2. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, Fantasy Star Online 2 already on Xbox. So we already have some good JRPG MMO support on Xbox, but this is going to take it even a step further, which is kind of fitting because that game is finally coming to PlayStation. So now to see this game finally come to Xbox, it's come full circle where both these games are going to be available on both platforms, which is nice. Everyone gets a, get some access to it. Um, 
I'm excited to give this game a try just because I've always heard great things about it and because I just want to support Final Fantasy on Xbox because I want to see more of this franchise on Xbox. Although I don't see myself getting super into it because, again, it's just it's it's an MMORPG and I'm looking for the real Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy VII Remake to come to Xbox. But I wonder if this will somehow be a foot in the door away for those games to eventually make their way onto Xbox. The thing is, I feel like the deals that Sony worked with them, the money they gave is going to put them in a situation where it might be many years before these games come to Xbox. But the fact that final fantasy 14 is coming to Xbox right now after a decade, I mean, it's been a decade since this game came out and it seemed like there was no chance of it ever coming to Xbox. It's, it's kind of like a, anything can happen kind of moment for get for Xbox and for final fantasy. So I'm not, I'm not holding my breath, but I'm also not giving up hope completely that maybe one day we will see games like Final Fantasy 16 or 7 Remake come to Xbox. But this is a really promising first step. And while, you know, this isn't necessarily the specific game people have been waiting for, I think this is a great get for Xbox. This is just great for trying to break down that barrier of shit that Xbox doesn't have access to. However, you know, even though this game is still very, very popular and has a thriving online community, you know, having a 10-year-old MMORPG come to your platform is not quite as compelling as having the new, hot, sexy Final Fantasy 16 single-player game that just came out only on PlayStation available on your Xbox. So hopefully this is a, a beginning to a brighter future. I really, really hope that we see Final Fantasy continue on Xbox. And I, I, I can't imagine the way PlayStation had that contract written out for these games or the way they helped keep these games off Xbox is there's I mean there's no like legal clause for like these games can never come to Xbox ever for the rest of humanity and history and time and memoriam. It must be like some kind of timed deal. So at some point those things have to end and we have to be able to get these games on Xbox. And so this just gives me promise that it will one day happen. So shout out to that. Pretty exciting week. We got Final Fantasy MMOs. We got remakes of old Elder Scrolls games. It's it's popping off here on the Xbox platform, you guys. All right, let's talk about another thing that's got me super tantalized and excited. Hopefully one day, old Transformers games and more Activision backwards compatible games or old X Activision catalog games becoming backwards compatible on Xbox. So Hasbro has said that they would like to see Microsoft revive Activision's old Transformer games via Xbox Game Pass. Activision re released several Transformers games during the Xbox 360 years that are no longer purchasable digitally due to licensing issues. However, now following an imminent deal that would see Microsoft own Activision, Hasbro is hopeful that this could spark a revival. During an interview with Transformers World, Hasbro said... Quote, sadly, apparently Activision's not sure what hard drives they're on, those games are on uh, that they're building. When a company eats a company that eats a company, things get lost, and that's very frustrating. I hope is now that the end deal is moving forward with Microsoft and Xbox, and they'll go through all the archives and even hard drives and find it, because it's a pretty easy Game Pass ad. We want those games back up for people to have a chance to play. End quote. Currently, Transformers Devastation, Transformers Fall of Cybertron, Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark, Transformers War for Cybertron are currently unavailable for purchase digitally. Some of the games can be played on Xbox consoles via backwards compatibility, but physical discs are required and those games are no longer in print, so good fucking luck getting them. Hasbro later apologized for Xbox claiming that Activision had lost its Transformers games, that this is not the, that, sorry, that this is not the reason why they're 
why these games aren't on Game Pass. In a statement to VGC, the company has now said the following as it was an error, quote-unquote. They said, to clarify, our comments were to suggest that Transformers games had been lost and that was made in an error. Uh, we apologize to Activision and regret any confusion that they've been great partners to work with and we look forward to future opportunities to work together. So that was just clearly like active, someone at Activision was like, hey, you can't say that. That's a bad look. You're making this look bad. Please take that back. And, and someone at Hasbro was like, oh, shit, we didn't mean it like that. But basically what they're saying is we don't know where the fuck those games are. Those games are with Activision. Those games could be lost. Those games could be well archived. We don't fucking know. Activision has those games. They don't print them anymore. You can't buy them in stores. The only way you can play them is if you have the physical discs and those games aren't available in digital storefronts. So those Transformers games are lost to history unless... Xbox digs into the back catalog of Activision games and says, hey, we want to renew these licenses and get these games on Game Pass. To which I think there's a fair chance this happens. A lot of fans have been clamoring for it. I know Kronky, my brother, has been absolutely just championing the fuck out of hoping this happens one day. I have been less than enthusiastic that this will happen one day because while I want it to happen, I just don't trust that it will. But honestly, seeing news like this come out kind of makes me a little optimistic that maybe it will happen because if even Hasbro was kind of championing it, I think that 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 says something. And for those who don't know, um, not all of these games, but particularly Fall of Cybertron and War of Cybertron are considered like incredibly good Transformers games. These are like really solid Transformers games with great campaigns and a really robust online multiplayer suite. And man, I only played the demos of these back in the day on Xbox 360, but I remember thinking they were fantastic and it seems like a lot of the sentiment and hindsight is these games were great then and they're great now. It's a shame that people can't access them. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it fucking sucks. Transformers is one of those IP that lends itself so well to video games, but there aren't a lot of good Transformers video games and there aren't a whole lot of Transformers games that have come out in recent history. So, like, there's a lot of room for transformers but unfortunately we just haven't gotten a lot of it i know there's like some like action adventure bumblebee cartoony game made by some like no-name studio somewhere in the world that's coming out soon the trailer was released for that not too long ago and then in addition to that we know that uh that transformers reactive game is in development by a uh, splash developer splash damage so we don't really know a whole lot about that game but they revealed it at the game awards last year and it looks very 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 cool at least tonally, so hopefully that's a good Transformers game, but even that game is a, a little while away, so we just don't get good Transformers shit anymore, and it would be so cool if these games become backwards compatible. Not even all the licensed stuff, but there's like other stuff. Well, actually, sticking with licensing real fast, it'd be really cool to see some of those old Spider-Man games become backwards compatible, like Web of Shadows and Ultimate Spider-Man and things like that, as well as just like some old Activision things that we don't see anymore, like the old... Uh, uh, prototype games like make those backwards compatible why, why the fuck not you know so uh gun gun was an amazing western shooter third person shooter game which is so fucking fun i loved gun on the original xbox i beat that game in like one sitting it was so much fun yeah i mean activision used to publish and develop lots of cool games and a lot of licensed stuff a lot of original stuff and even though i love call of duty it's just man it's so sad that call of duty completely pulled them away from anything creative outside of Call of Duty because they used to do a lot of really cool shit and we just don't get that anymore. And so hopefully having big names like Hasbro kind of speak out and be like, hey, renew this license, get these games on Game Pass. We want to see these games accessible again. Like that 
hopefully that like hopefully that kind of speaks to Microsoft a little bit and gets them to want to pursue these games for backwards compatibility and for Game Pass in the near future because these are the kinds of things you could do early on. If this Activision deal is all completely set and done in a couple months, these are the kinds of gets you could do at like the end of 2023 or in early 2024 just to kind of get some shit trickled on the Game Pass. And because Xbox is going to be so content hungry and because Game Pass needs shit, man, this I feel like these would be good gets. I'm actually a lot more optimistic about games like this coming back uh, and being available on Game Pass now that I think about it. And uh, this this gets me really excited. This is the kind of stuff, like, of course I want awesome new day one games like Starfield and Halo Infinite and shit for Game Pass because that's the big, the big star attraction. But, like, this is that secondary stuff for me. I know for a lot of people, it's like that new indie you didn't know you were going to love, but you played it because it was on Game Pass. It was phenomenal. I love stuff like that, but this is the stuff for me that's like especially tantalizing for Game Pass is like bringing back and making easily accessible these old Transformers games that were excellent back in the day. Like not only is that really, really cool um, in terms of just like adding value to Game Pass, but this is some of that games preservation shit that Phil Spencer and Xbox are always talking about. And this is how it's done, man. Xbox's initiatives with backwards compatibility have done a lot for game preservation. I feel like this is this could be a great next step now that they're going to have access to that catalog. So hopefully we see that happen. All right, let's. Uh, last big story for the day is EA uh, record posting record Q one earnings in their financial call. So EA says its its first quarter financial results for the current fiscal year were the highest ever for the company. The company's net bookings for the quarter were $1.578 billion, up 21% compared to the same period previous year, which is insane. Net bookings cover the net amount of products and services sold digitally or sold in physically. This is not including just game sales, but other income, including licensing fees, merchandise, and in-game ads. According to EA, the main reason for the record-breaking quarter was FIFA 23 and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. FIFA Ultimate, they say, quote, FIFA Ultimate team engaged tens of millions of fans daily averaging grew, uh, users grew 15%, CEO Andrew Wilson said during the earnings call. FIFA Mobile attracted over 65 million new players in the quarter alone. FIFA Online produced double-digit growth access oh, sorry, across monthly, weekly, daily average users. That's insane. Let me say that again. FIFA Mobile attracted over 65 million new players in this quarter alone. What the fuck, man? That's why these guys are after digital or uh, mobile. That's that's nauseating how much money that uh, it's over, dude. Gaming's over. FIFA 23's Q1 net bookings were also um, a record for the history of the franchise. CFO Strout Canfield said that further demonstrating the power and potential of a connected, massive online community. EA delivered its record one Q1 uh, driven by strong momentum in EA Sports Global Football, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Survival, and said and Andrew Wilson said the following our exceptional teams are creating innovative experience ex, sorry entertainment experiences across our multi-year pipelines starting uh, with the highly anticipated cultural defining titles like madden and ea sports fc 24 canfield added we are strong with a strong start to the fiscal year we are now uh with net bookings growth of 21 percent year over year highlighted by the new releases continued live service growth healthy engagement and new player acquisitions uh, looking ahead, our teams remain focused on delivering long-term growth and profitability. One thing I have to take away from this is obviously uh, Star Wars is what bolstered this. But yes, FIFA's growing. Madden's growing. I'm sure even stuff like uh, Apex Legends and stuff is just continuing to clobber. But the th- my key takeaway is they keep mentioning in this report how FIFA is just killing it. FIFA's going her- higher and higher up. 
with just new players and revenue and, and participation and app purchases and game downloads and all this stuff. And they're bragging about FIFA. But in the same report, they're talking about how FIFA's name is going away and it's about to be replaced with this EA Sports FC whatever 24. And it's it's quite a risk to, ju- to jump away from this thing that's brought you so much success, this brand that's brought you so much success and is still growing rapidly and tremendously up to this day. And in its final days before you switch away from that, you're bragging about how it's brought you so much success as of late. And so it'll be really, really interesting to see if they're able to not only maintain the success they've always had, but continue this trajectory of growth with FIFA turning into this EA Sports FC as they drop and lose the FIFA license and branding. So that's going to be really critical to see. Um, they they seem to think it's all in their online community and that these people aren't going anywhere, but I think a lot of people are going to bounce without the license, although they're working really hard to get basically every other license outside of FIFA in order to keep the game as intact as can be. But without FIFA, there's a lot of things you're going to have to change. So I'm really, really curious to see how that plays out. Otherwise, yeah, EA is clobbering. It's, you know, PlayStation was posting rec- really great numbers the other week. EA's posting great numbers. Uh, Ubisoft's talking about some promising stuff. Xbox is a little stagnant from Microsoft's reporting last week. So not a great look, but I think things are about to turn around as we head towards Starfield and beyond. Let me tell you what, they can get those Transformers games backwards compatible after this Activision deal. I think everything's going to be just fine for Xbox. But joking aside, let's move on, guys, to a couple closing stories here. We've got uh, Game Pass games coming. Sorry if you can hear that. There is a, a rainstorm just ended, and now there's some fucking duck outside that is just this duck will not shut up yeah i don't know if that's coming through on the mic but holy crap that's a that's a loud duck anyway uh uh, games coming and leaving game pass so let's talk about it so starting this week celeste is now on game pass cloud console and and, uh, pc if you've never played that game please play that game it's so good uh coming soon a short hike is coming on august 3rd so the time you're listening to this it's now out cloud console and pc also all on cloud console and pc on august 8th we got bro force forever on August 9th, we got Limbo. On August 10th, we got Airborne Kingdom. And on August 15th, Everspace 2 all come to Cloud Console and PC. Or actually, Everspace 2 is not coming to PC, just Cloud and Console. But anyway. Also, we have a couple games leaving Game Pass. So on August 15th, Death Stranding leaves PC Game Pass. Oh, I never played that. Edge of Eternity is leaving Cloud Console and PC, as well as Midnight Fight Express. And leaving PC on August 15th is Total War Warhammer 3. So be sure to check those games out before they're completely gone in the next two weeks. And you guys... Oh, we got one more. Let's talk about our final ever Games with Gold. That's right. Remember, guys, Games with Gold is ending for good after August because in September, Xbox Live is being retired and is changing to Game Pass Core. So we're going to have to lose... We're going to have to say goodbye to Games of Gold as we get our core 25 lineup of games included with the subscription to replace Games of Gold, whatever. It's it's a little bittersweet because Games of Gold, you know, it's, it's a history part of the Xbox Live experience and with Xbox's history, but it's also such a fucking terrible offering that's been so embarrassingly bad for so long. But the final two games to ever be featured on Games of Gold are as follows for the month of August. Um, and it's a little different this month. Both games are available from August 1st to August 30th, 31st. So the entirety of the month, 
not spilling into September or becoming later available later in the month. It's just both games are available from the first day to the last day of the month. And those games are Blue Fire and Inertial Drift. Both games probably no one's ever heard of. Maybe they're good. I don't know. But they're both $20 valued MSRP games. So it's $40 worth of games absolutely included with your gold subscription. And it's 2,000 gamer score attainable through these two games. So make sure you download those final games of gold or add them to your queue or download them and delete them, whatever you got to do, just so you have access to them forever and for always. As after this, Games of Gold will officially be no mas. So rest in peace, Games of Gold. You have sucked for so long. In the early days, Games of Gold was actually quite good, to be completely fair. But in the past recent years, Games of Gold has been trash, I'd say, for at least three or four years. But uh, yeah, man, Games of Gold will come to an official end on September 1st. You can continue access to Games of Gold uh, previously redeemed by remaining a Game Pass Core or Game Pass Ultimate subscriber. And if you currently have a Game Pass Ultimate membership, you will continue on the same plan that you've been on. You will not be switched over to Game Pass Core. You will just stay Game Pass Ultimate. If you are just an Xbox Live subscriber, you will be moved over to a Game Pass Core subscription. So rest in peace, Games of Gold. We hardly knew you, except we knew you way too long. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our big news. Let's move into our important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, which we've got a handful, so let's just blast through them here. Microsoft officially announces the Xbox controller um, Stormcloud Vapor, which was teased last week or, or leaked last week. Nothing really to say about this. It's retailing for 70 bucks. You can uh, pre-order it now. Through my, or actually, it's already available now. No, no, no. You can pre-order it now. It's available August 8th. So it comes out in less than a week here. I don't really like this one. It doesn't do it for me. It's this weird like tie-dye blue with a little bit of black swirly tie-dye kind of mix. It's actually not black. It's it's like um, it's like two shades of bluish purplish blue. And I don't really love it. It's not a great color. It's not a good look. It's not, it's not a me look, but... I'm sure someone out there will appreciate this. So, uh, if you're looking for a new Xbox controller, consider this color scheme. It's available for 70 bucks US, available August 8th, and you can pre-order now on the Microsoft Store and through other retailers. Next up, VGC reports Mortal Kombat 1's beta dates have been announced, as revealed by Twitter user Ed, uh, or sorry, by on Twitter by series creator uh, Ed Boon. The beta will run from August 18th to August 21st, so players can try the beta by pre-ordering the game on Xbox. It's currently unclear if a separate beta will be held for PC players, however. Next up, new images of on the set of Amazon's upcoming Fallout TV show have appeared online, showing Vault Tech Office. The images, which are circulating so- social media, appear to show Vault Tech logos outside of office buildings, as well as actors dressed as Raiders from the Fallout universe. The show is coming to Amazon Prime Video and is being produced by Kilter Films, a production company behind HBO's Westworld, so hopefully it's a pretty good show. Next up, Alien will be the next horror franchise to make an appearance in Dead by Daylight. Developer Behavior Interactive has released a teaser trailer that appears to show the recreation of the Nostromo, the Nostromo ship from the original 1979 Alien movie. Trailer also shows a brief glimpse at the xenomorph creature from the movie, which uh, screams and jumps on the screen. Uh, the DLC will be available August 8th, the same day that new tra- that controller's out. So maybe you get your Alien DLC, you get your new controller, you go home, you spook yourself. Fun weekend, I don't know. Next up, sad news over at Striking Distance Studios, the developer behind the Callisto Protocol. A number of layoffs have been reported, initially noticed by Twitter user at Tailbulls. Tailbulls? Numerous Striking Distance staff took on LinkedIn this past week to announce that they have been looking for new work and are no longer with the team. 32 employees have been confirmed to have been laid off. In a statement to IGN, a spokesperson from Crafton, publisher Crafton of the PUBG Corporation, said that Striking Distance Studios Crafton have 
implemented strategic changes that realign the studio's priorities to better position the current and future projects for the success of the team. Unfortunately, these changes have impacted 32 employees. That is the most corporate PR way of saying we fired people to save money. So sympathies to all affected by this. Hopefully you guys find better new jobs and are able to continue doing what you love. Um, that, that fucking sucks. All right. Next up here, we got two more. Microsoft started selling replacement parts for Xbox controllers, along with documentation and online videos teaching players how to repair these things on their own. The new Xbox Repair and Replace Parts page on Microsoft Store lets players order parts for Xbox Elite Wireless Controller Series 2 and Xbox Wireless Controllers for Series X and S. Parts include replacement input PCBAs, which is the circuit board which handles the controller input, replacement motor assemblies, which includes attachment ro motors, rumble motors, buttons, and top cases, as well as selling replacement parts. Microsoft also posted a documentation video guide showing how to do it on their own, which is really fucking cool. They're allowing players to basically uh, repair these controllers by themselves, so it's a lot more affordable and accessible to do that, which is great because a lot of people do complain. The only issue with the Elite Series controllers is that parts wear out or break or things, you know, go bad. So the having that repairability option uh, is is a really great way to help help people feel like they're secure in their investment in buying these controllers. And finally, Xbox will soon let players stream games directly through Discord. A feature is rolling out to Xbox Insider's Alpha Skip Ahead ring right now as of today, so players can be sure to check out and make sure it's working properly. But once testing is complete, Xbox will roll this out to everyone on Xbox and allow people to uh, stream, their stream their gameplay directly on Discord. This was confirmed by Xbox Wire this week. And that is it for all the news this week. You guys, we're all through the news with the exception of or we're all through the podcast, I should say, with the exception of the comments. You know how it works. Final final section of the podcast. You head on over to youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast or at Xbox on podcast on YouTube. Click on the latest episode. Subscribe while you're there. Leave a comment on the latest episode and say whatever the hell you want. You can insult me for being a PlayStation shill. You can compliment me for having armpit hair that grows faster than your lawn than your lawn grows I don't fucking know, but you can you can say anything in the comments and I'll let you say it because I made fun of British people. So why can't you make fun of me? That's just how the world works. Welcome to the comment section. And uh, if you're listening on podcast services and you're not on YouTube, please, for the love of God, rate the show five stars, leave a review, leave comments, subscribe, anything to help the, the uh, podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. So I appreciate you guys. And let's get into our comments. We have four comments to get through this uh, today. First one coming from Arctic Chief, who's changed his name to Bang Me Funkini. What the fuck is this? First of all, is this not Arctic Chief? Is this someone who took Arctic Chief's picture and has a different profile? What is happening? Arctic Chief, please write in and explain what the fuck happened with your name. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm offended. I'm scared. But you wrote in about backwards compatibility and you said, hey, guys, love the backwards compatibility in gaming. I'd say Nintendo does, has done it best, literally with putting past consoles built into the next, like how the DS had a Game Boy Advance slot on the bottom, how the Wii could play GameCube games. But Nintendo also does this thing where they know you want to play their old games, so they delist it and basically make it a criminal offense to try and play it on your own means. Xbox has done a pretty good job in recent years of getting old games preserved. Changing years, I haven't had a whole lot of time playing games with trying to sell my house and buy another house, but we're almost there. I'm ready for the fall to be here for some fall gaming. F Amen. 
Finally, I've been play, I've been uh, in such a Spider-Man mood lately. I've watched all the live-action Spider-Man movies on Disney+. Plus. Sunday, we watched the Toby movies. Monday, we watched the Andrew movies. And Tuesday, we watched the MCU movies. Now, I'm not here to buy another PlayStation 5 for Spider-Man games. I had to sell my last PlayStation 5. Okay, that's okay. a couple things. We'll break this down, I guess. Um, backwards compatibility. I would say Nintendo used to be the kings of this. I think Xbox are kind of kings of it now. But Nintendo is still pretty good about it. Overall, they both have different approaches. But I appreciate that both of them show interest and care. PlayStation clearly sucks the most at at backwards compatibility. They don't give a shit, and that sucks. If I were a big, like, PlayStation fan who had every generation of PlayStation and just played majority on PlayStation, I'd be so sad to know that that platform isn't giving you shit at all about preserving previous generations, especially because PlayStation has a wonderful catalog of old games, and it fucking sucks that if you have a PS5, you can't go back and play the old Resistance games because... Those are good games, along with lots of other PlayStation games that are excellent and just inaccessible. So hopefully PlayStation gets better about that someday in the future. But obviously nobody is better at backwards compatibility than, of course, PC via services like Steam and such. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say these days in the console space, Xbox is doing the best job. But Nintendo is still doing a pretty good job. I just, yeah, back in the day for sure, Nintendo was great at it when it was just like backwards compatibility is just putting a game in your new console from your old console and it works for the most part. So that was pretty, that was pretty ideal for sure. But uh, yeah, congrats to you and your family on the house. Hopefully you guys find a great new home and the move goes smoothly. I, I'm dealing with a lot of that shit myself. This week's been very stressful for very similar reasons. So I understand, man, I hope that's going well for you guys and that it's all over soon and things are better off for uh, all the chaos you're going through. And also, finally, dude, shout out to Spider-Man. First of all, that's a lot of movies to be watching in three days in a row. You got three Toby movies on Sunday, two Andrew movies on Monday, and then what? Like, how many MC movies is that? There's three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Then Tom Holland's also in two of the Avengers movies. He's also in Captain America Civil War. I mean, that's a lot of movies, man. But yeah, dude, shout out to Spider-Man. Spider-Man's great. God, I wish I had a PS5 so I could play Spider-Man 2. But I'm going to wait a couple years till it comes to PC and then I'll play it on PC. But this is going to be a hard fall while everyone's playing Spider-Man 2. I'm like, okay, I got Alan Wake 2. I got Starfield. I got Sonic Superstars. I got Mario Wonder. I got all these other great games to keep me distracted. But Spider-Man 2 is a game I'm really going to wish I could play. So I feel you there, man. But yeah, shout out to Tobey Maguire, of course, the best Spider-Man of all time. And uh, thank you for writing in, Arctic Chief. Please explain why you changed your name, please but I love you. Uh, Ubisoft. Let's talk about Ubisoft. Mike Clark writes in and says, I'm fairly excited with Ubisoft games. Always excited to play and hear Phoenix being called, uh, sorry, always enjoyed them uh, and had to hear Phoenix being canceled stings a bit. Oh, the sequel to Phoenix Immortal Rising. That was a good 3D adventure game. And the comparisons to Breath of the Wild is kind of unfair. Fingers crossed that Prince of Persia and Splinter Cell see the completion. Yeah, fucking right. I hope that Splinter Cell remake actually happens and Prince of Persia, I think that will come soon. But yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't know. I didn't play enough Immortals Phoenix Rising to know it's not very comparable to Breath of the Wild. But yeah, that is what many people compare it to, including myself for sure. You said, God, I love the Nintendo Switch, but I just don't have the RAM for the animated background lol. Uh, oh, but it just don't have the, yeah, no, no chance in hell. Keep it simple so it can load fast. Maybe I'm ahead of the curve and all but the controller but my controllers already have a smell of food with a hint of ass that's in relation to those ninja turtle controllers we were talking about you said cheese it's our poo carb count is not is is god awful microsoft makes lots of money xbox far as console sales are concerned is bad xbox slash game pass will be an app sooner rather than later and they will be happy about that the retro xbox service is fire way 
uh, for Xbox to end emulation on consoles. Tencent equals Microsoft, the Chinese version. I kind of agree with that. And part two is coming later. So <laughs> funny comment. Oh, and then you said part two. Here we go. Just wanted to say thank you again. Made the hospital stay better. Have a great week and look forward to the next show. Well, I hope your hospital stays are coming to the end because I hope whatever it is you're going through, everything's getting better and better, Mike. So thank you as always for writing. I appreciate the nonsensical ramblings responding to various points of the podcast last week. But yeah, hell be to Cheez-Its. Microsoft, thank you for the backwards compatibility, and uh, please don't be like Tencent. Uh, next up, an old legend writes in, dead Captain James, who's not so dead after all, writes in to in- infuriate me and says, don't worry, I'm still alive, I'm still lurking, moved halfway across the country, and I'm finally settled into my new house. Great show. As always, Jesse, thank you. Uh, Cheez-Its are, in fact, a superior snack food. Goldfish are delicious, but way too salty and hurt your mouth. Cheez-Its, on the other hand, can be a perfect blend. I disagree. Cheez-Its are not... Goldfish are not too salty. I don't see how che- how goldfish are saltier than Cheez-Its, but I, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Goldfish, they kind of wear the salt in the outside a little better, whereas Cheez-Its kind of, like, baked into the cracker a little more, if that makes sense. But I don't know, man. That's a hot take. I'm going to take goldfish over Cheez-Its. I'm going to say most of the audience is going to agree with me because you're the only person that really wrote in about this other than you and Mike Clark. So I'm just going to assume that everyone agrees with me that goldfish are better than Cheez-Its. I'm going to let this be the outlier, but please, Dead Captain James, you are the OG. You are the favorite child. Do not break my heart by saying Cheez-Its are better than goldfish. I'm too fragile to handle this reality that you have a different opinion, and it will simply destroy me. So please, please, for the love of God, don't let it be. But all seriousness, congrats to your family as well. Moving halfway across the country. Hopefully that is all over. You guys are loving the new place. I think that's excellent. You just moved into a new house. Arctic Chief is in the process of moving. I'm in the process of moving. I guess now is as good as any time to admit to the audience what's really going on here. Um, Arctic Chief, Dead Captain James, and myself have all pooled together our money and have purchased a house together so we will all be moving in we have divided the house evenly three ways it is excellent i get my favorite part of the kitchen the space in between the stove and the pantry so uh yeah everything's been divided evenly three ways it's our house it's our bro pad where we go to uh play xbox sometimes and then I go to Disney World and we eat uh, frozen food from Trader Joe's. So it's awesome. Secrets out. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we got one more comment to round us out here. Cronky writes in, my brother writes in and says, Man, there are so many freaking reasons why you shouldn't believe that aliens visited Earth. Some random guy, quote, who worked for the intelligence agency, has like third-hand knowledge and says that aliens' bodies in the UFO have been found. Come on. I'm not going to go into an hour-long tirade on why this is dumb, but man, no aliens aren't freaking visiting Earth. It's just egotism flared up. People think they're really important and special. I'm going to disagree with you on this, Kronky. I I absolutely believe there's other life out there, and while I'm not necessarily saying that the things they're talking about is aliens from another planet visiting Earth, I, I do fully believe that there are phenomenon that cannot be explained or have not been explained that... These different military uh, agencies and, and, and personnel have come in contact with and have have come across and they cannot explain it or figure it out. Maybe there's a scientific explanation. Of course, there's a scientific explanation for what's happening. There always is a scientific explanation reason for what's happening. That's why I love science is because it takes things and makes sense out of them. But we haven't found out what these reasons are for these anomalies and these phenomenon that have been spotted. But I, I don't know, Kronky, without getting into it too much. As a as a dumb man, as a man of dumbness as I am, 
I refuse to believe that there is not other life form out there and that there aren't even potentially more intelligent life form than what we have. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense considering how expansive the universe is. And so I'm going to go ahead and believe aliens are real. Now that's not necessarily what I'm saying is that these guys are coming across gray, slimy aliens and UFOs, but to, to think that these guys aren't coming across something, some kind of anomaly or thing that, that can't be explained or that they can't make sense of, doesn't mean something unusual that needs to be explored further isn't happening. And the reason why so much of this is third-party knowledge and stuff is because these guys basically don't have the ability to speak for themselves. They've all been, their whole lives will be completely devastated and ruined if they speak up. So this is kind of whistleblowing in the best way they can without completely compromising their existence and breaking, breaking NDAs and basically being litigated and potentially jailed for speaking out um, because government agencies are trying to keep this shit under wraps and always have been. I, I don't know. I personally choose to believe that this shit is real. And again, I'm not saying it's green alien men or anything necessarily, but I definitely think there's a strange phenomenon that these, these guys have come across and that something's happening and that we need to reveal this stuff publicly and we need to explore further. Obviously, it's a little convenient that this is happening in a time where it's so easy to make shit up and spread false information online and get really realistic looking videos and photos of fake things. But that all being said, I, I still think something's happening here because this isn't the first time we've heard about this stuff. This kind of stuff has been talked about for so, so, so long. And honestly, this just kind of plays into my general, my just general despondency I have with humanity, which is like, we don't care about the fact that our government just takes oodles and oodles of money from us and pours it into wars. We don't care that our government allies with nations that are genociding other countries. We don't care that our government is neglecting the issues, the infrastructure needs, the education needs, the food needs, the wa the clean water needs, the infrastructure needs that the people have because we're all too consumed by like some bullshit console wars kardashians nonsense people are always so like the whole news cycle and everyone in the goddamn world a month ago couldn't shut the fuck up about a couple of rich bastards that bought a stupid fucking mad cats controller got into a metal contraption made in someone's basement and then jumped down to the bottom of the ocean and fucking killed themselves because they're absolute morons the whole world couldn't get enough of that bullshit because for some reason, we have a society that is very intricately and, and hyper fixated on stupid shit like that. But when it comes to like real shit, like making the world a better place, exploring science, figuring out why we experience strange phenomena and trying to figure out what's behind it, what it is, why it's happening, what's the scientific explanation, trying to invest in humanity and society and make things fundamentally better. And, and, and drive mankind forward and make progress. Like the fact that there's just no enthusiasm or open-mindedness or excitedness or impetus or like kind of just social pressure to move that needle forward consistently breaks my heart, lets me down. It makes me feel so helpless and despondent about all of humanity. So while I'm not saying little green men are visiting us all the time, what I am saying is I do believe there are strange phenomenon that seem otherworldly that people have encountered, that pilots have encountered, that 
military forces have encountered, that intelligence agencies have encountered, and that we can't explain it, and we need to make this stuff public knowledge, and we need to create a, a, a society and an ecosystem and an environment where we're encouraging people to question these things, be curious about these things, ask for more questions, ask for or ask more questions and ask for more answers, get more answers, and push this stuff forward because for as long as we continue to focus on the stupid multimillionaires killing themselves underwater and the stupid fucking Kardashian uh, people on TV and all the nonsense about Hunter Biden's penis that no one really wants, no one should really care about, but for some reason we're all hyper fixated on trying to see Hunter Biden's penis because all the fucking conservatives are weird closeted wannabe gay people. I don't fucking know, but maybe one day we can focus on trying to figure out what the fuck is out there beyond the stars and why there are weird phenomena we can't explain and what's going on and maybe give the people of fucking Mississippi some clean drinking water while we're at it and stop fucking funding wars around the globe and focus on building modern highways or something instead. I don't know. I so that, this kind of falls under that category for me where I'm just like I just I just want to believe in something that's like something something that matters that gets us to the next step rather than I don't know what the fuck's ha- what 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 is what's, what's happening? Barbenheimer is that is that what we care about right now? So I don't know. I don't know. That being said, write in. Let me know what you think about about a, a Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion remake, you guys. <laughs> what a weird non Xbox related note to end on. But uh, thank you all for listening. As always, I really appreciate each and every one of you who support the show. Leave nice comments. If you have mean things to say, you can say them to me on Twitter. Please, by all means. Find me on Twitter. Treat me like dog shit. But when it comes to the reviews for the podcast, don't say anything less than five stars, glowing review, outstanding, amazing podcaster. Step aside, stupid Joe Rogan. Here comes Jesse DeRosa or however you say it. That's what I want to see. So five stars, subscribe, share with your friends. If you have access to a speaker system in your place of work, be sure to plug this shit up and make sure everyone listens to it, especially if you work in a retail environment. I want each and every customer to hear my dumbass podcast on the loudspeaker. And until next week, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. If you are also in the process of buying a home right now, which seems to be half the fucking audience here, good luck. It's a pain in the ass. I'm stressed out every fucking minute of my life right now, but I hope it's worth it in the end. Uh, yeah, congratulations. You guys take care, eat delicious food. If you have access to Trader Joe's, highly recommend their frozen pasta, but you know, play some great video games. Uh, Atlas Fallen comes out next week. I'm really looking forward to that, but yeah, spend time with those you love. Be kind to one another, be curious, try your best to avoid taking a large dump on your neighbor's front steps. And until next week, bury your dreams. Oh.